you have your Bibles, uh, man, the word um, all week was a busy week at work, um, and I was leaning one way, and God kept me on this way all week, and it very aligns with everything that just happened in this service, which is how God usually operates. So if you have your Bible, turn to Psalm uh, 121. Psalm 121, I want to read the entire Psalm. Good news for you, it's not that Psalm. It's only eight verses, right? Uh, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, but he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you from going out, and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for Living Faith Church. We thank you for this moment in time that we can come and assemble ourselves together as a body, corporate body of believers, to uh, edify and to encourage, to be encouraged and to be edified, to worship, uh, to pray, and to seek your face. So Lord, right now, I thank you for everything that's happened up to this point, and I ask you to bless this word. May it change our hearts forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of the message this morning is simply called The Power of One. The Power of One. The world we live in can be overwhelming, can it not? Our lives at times can be overwhelmed. Individually, even corporately, we can be overwhelmed. A nation, our nation has been overwhelmed for the last couple years with this pandemic. It's, it's not just overwhelmed. When we're overwhelmed, it isn't always sometimes isolated. Sometimes it spreads. And, and this pandemic has spread across the planet. And it's overwhelmed a lot of people. We have bad days and bad weeks and bad months and bad years and bad moments. And they can overwhelm us. The key for us is knowing who and where the help is. The psalmist paints a lifelong picture for us here in Psalm 121. He will guard you now, and he will guard you forever. When you look to him. What I find amazing, it says, I look into the hills, and of course we can look around and see hills all around us, right? So someone in Kansas, this verse may not mean a whole lot, right? Where's my prairie dog hunter? Oh, he's next door. So Don goes to, Don Costa, not this Don. He goes to, to uh, Kansas a lot and shoots prairie dogs. I don't know why. Um, but it's flat, right? I don't know if he sets you know, a mile out with a sniper, and I don't know what he does. Um, but to someone in Kansas or to someone in, in, in Oklahoma, it's flat, right? They may not be able to look into the hills, and they're like, ah, this verse don't mean anything. Us in West Virginia, though, we can look. But this isn't saying I look to the mountains or I look to the hills. This is saying I look beyond that. I look to the one who made the hills. I look to the one who made heaven and earth, right? And, and I want us to focus on the power of that one that we're looking at today. The one that can change our life, the one that can change our situation, the one that can change our circumstance, it's one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Before the pandemic, I used to fly about 12 to 14 times a year for work. Uh, most of the time, everything goes as planned, right? Goes as planned. Planes are on time. Connection leaves on time. Weather is fine. Luggage makes it to me, Right? Sometimes it happens. I, I won't lie. I've probably lost luggage three times in my entire life, as many times as I've flown. Uh, one time, actually, when we came back from China. We spent two weeks in China, 
uh, back in 2007 when we got Claire. We had about eight or nine suitcases. We flew eight times just in the nation of China. Like we were on airplanes eight different times in China, going from Hong Kong to Nanchung to Nanchung to Guangzhou, back to Hong Kong. I mean, all over the place. We're flying all over that country. Our luggage showed up every time. That morning of March 8th, we left Hong Kong at 10.36 in the morning on March 8th. We landed in Chicago at 10.38 on March 8th, the same morning. It's terrible. Two-minute two flight. God, I wish it was. Uh, I remember we were just talking about this the other day. For some reason on that flight back, we were all like on the last row of the plane on that United flight. And they just had a big screen, and it just showed where you were. And we were over top Alaska. And I remember looking at Kelly. I literally could jump out right now. Like, I could jump out of the plane with no parachute, and I'd be just, I'll be okay. I'll go to heaven. I'm out. Kids were screaming. It was nuts, man. One quid, I mean, there was all these adopted babies coming back from China. And one kid would quit crying, and guess what? Another kid was sorry. Uh, and it was just a crazy flight. And, and we get back to Chicago, you know, a two-minute flight, and uh, they can't find my luggage. Well, they had it there in Chicago. Went through customs and did all that. I get to Charleston. We're exhausted, man. We've been gone 15 days. I get to Charleston. I'm sitting there waiting at the carousel. Everybody's come. Everybody's gone. We ain't got no luggage. That luggage went all over the world, and it couldn't get from Chicago to Charleston. Right? And in that moment, what do they tell you? Well, we have a room that says lost luggage. You go to the lost luggage room. That's where your help comes from. You know, I, I love to comment lost luggage. Like, like my luggage just took off and ran, right? My luggage just didn't jump on another airplane. You put it on another airplane, right? But even in those moments when we lose something in an airport, um, when we need help, the airline industry has a room that we can go to, right? It was, it was about two years ago. I was actually, a similar situation happened. I was flying back from Austin, Texas or somewhere. And I'm sitting there, and I'm the last guy waiting for my luggage. And, I, and my luggage just isn't there. And, and I keep looking and keep waiting and keep waiting. The airport's like, it's like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. There's not a soul left. I finally went up to the lost luggage room, which up at the Yeager Airport is like the same room that they do everything in, right? And uh, it's the bathroom. It's everything. It's all the same room. And, and I go in. I was like, hey, I lost my luggage. He was like, hey, man, it says it was checked in. I said, man, it's not here, bro. And sure enough, my luggage got caught on that ramp that, that comes up. You know, they got that big turnstile. It got hung on something, and it was just sitting there just going. It was just clicking. Well, I was willing to jump down there and get it. They'd turn it off. But I, obviously, I wasn't employed. I couldn't. Long story short, some guy comes and gets it. Luggage wasn't lost. But even I, I had to go somewhere when I needed help, and I went to the lost luggage room. You know, anyone ever shop for anything? Some of y'all lying right now. Aaron Petrie, have you ever shopped for anything in your life? Nothing? Joe Ellen does it all? All right. We'll give you a, we'll give you a break. I know Jeremiah has. And, and when you go to a store, the, uh, an overzealous employee, can I help you? Right? They, they meet you at the door. I mean, Kelly don't even like shopping for cars unless it's 10 o'clock at night. Because she knows as soon as you, I mean, as soon as you open the door, three guys or three girls come running. Right, because they want that sale. They're trained to do that. If if they sit and wait for you to come to them, they're going to miss the sale, right? Uh, but but when you want something in in a, in a retail setting, there's people that want to ask you if you need help. Just the other night, now now let's be honest. When you really need help, you never can find help, can you? Am I being honest? 
I went, to, I went to Lowe's and Nitro Tuesday night looking for a baby gate. Now, I'm a man. I'm going to act like I know what's going on, right? I walk in. Kelly decided to stay in the car and look at Facebook or whatever she does. I'm just walking around. I went over every square inch of Lowe's. Couldn't see it. I mean, it's like 8 o'clock. There's not a lot of people there. So finally, I was like, hey, it's 20 minutes in. It's taking way too long, Don. Let's ask somebody. I asked, hey, excuse me. I had to chase somebody down to find help. I said, can you tell me? Do you have a baby gates? He said, well, if we do. So he just kept walking. He said, they'd be in aisle 17. I was like, thank you, kind sir. I appreciate your time. And I was like at aisle 8. So I walked back down to aisle 17. I pull in aisle 17. It's shelving, mailboxes, screws, key-making area, and house letters. I'm like, oh. Obviously, they don't have them. And the Spirit of God quickened. Don, go find help. You know what I did? I used the Lowe's app. Where does my help come from in Lowe's? The Lowe's app. I opened up the Lowe's app, and I typed in Babygate. It knew I was in Nitro. It says, Don, go to aisle 14. I'm saying 17, 14. It seems if the app don't even work there. Right? So I go to Lowe's. Sure enough, aisle 14, there it was, Babygate. I thank the Lowe's app. Appreciate your time. Sometimes when we need help, we got to go to the right source. I should have just went to the app all along, right? Should have went to the app all along. Um, and, and now let's be honest. We go to Lowe's. And, of course, I was raised at Kmart. I was a Kmart Pro Image, KB Toys guy, right? I worked a lot of retail in high school and college. And, and I was trained to, to listen Right, you guys go in the shopping these stores, and there's silent me- there's messages going on. You just never pay attention to. But when you work in one of those stores, like when you got code blue at Kmart, that meant every male employee reports to wherever they told you to go because somebody was trying to steal something. Right, code blue to the patio. <laughs> right, and people miss that. You miss that if you don't work there. But Lowe's has them buttons, which I don't like pushing. Ding ding ding. Customer needs assistance in the chain cutting area you notice that's the only one that ever plays thinking who's buying chains all this time what are you doing with those chains I don't know I, I do hear the key making area a lot ding 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 customer needs assistance at the key making area right and that thing will keep talking until somebody shows up and shuts it up right and when you can't find help you need to know how to get help and sometimes that's easy and we can joke about the natural but what about the spiritual What about us individually when I'm not looking for a baby gate, but I'm looking for a miracle? What about about my life when I I don't need a a, a bag of topsoil? I don't need a key made. I need God to show up in my life. Where do I go for that help? And there is the power of one. And his name is Jesus Christ. It's moments like this that I just happened at Lowe's that want to keep me from asking for help, Right? Because you think, they don't know either, is what I found out. He just works here. He don't know. Right? There are times in our lives we need help. And in that natural, we ring bells. We hit buttons. But what about when it's spiritual? When I'm overwhelmed? When I need a healing? When I need a miracle? When I need a friend? Can someone show me where the bell is for that? Can someone tell me where I can hit a button to let God know I'm here? I do want to tell you this morning, Jesus wants to help us on this planet. 
Let's be honest, we all get discouraged when the mountain seems of an infinite size. (laughs) But there is one who leads us. There is one who guides us. And DeGarmo and Key says, there is one who goes before us to calm the sea. We get weighed down with the bad news and the pressures of life. We have learned as we follow Christ that the cross always precedes the crown. That's why we must look to the Lord for help. The one who keeps, the one who maintains, the one who brings peace, the one who forgives, that's Jesus. He's the one. There is an order of operation in many areas of our lives, I won't lie to you. Math and Kevin just did a small group lesson on this a couple years ago, on the order of operation. They used this, uh, uh, this acronym, PEMDAS. Parentheses, exponents, multiplication and division from left to right, addition and subtraction from left to right. There is an order to do a math problem. Any math teachers in the building? I know at least one. Any former math teachers in the building? I'm looking at you. Aaron Petrie, uh, his former math teacher at Sherman High School. Um, and in math, you, there is an order to, do, to solve a problem, right? And if you don't follow the order, you'll get the wrong answer. Right? If you want to do the, the plus just because you're more familiar with plus, or you want to do the minus before you do the multiplication, or if you want to bypass the parentheses and the exponents, guess what? Your answer will always be wrong. And if you don't follow the order of operation. And even in the spiritual, if you want to find Jesus, if you want to find this one, if you want to know where that bell is, there is an order of operation to get there. There is a, a path that we must follow to get there. And we're going to talk a little about that today. So first things first. So I've got a couple questions and each answer. All you do is simply raise your hand. Dina, this isn't about running out of gas in a car wash, none of that. It's an awesome story. Dina actually ran out of gas in one of those car washes like that's moving you through it. Like her car ran out of gas. Um, this is nothing like that, Dina. We won't even bring that up today. We won't talk about it. So I got to ask some questions. Again, first things first. Do you pick your clothes out before you hit the shower? How many of you shower and then find your clothes? Some of you aren't raising your hands. All right, how many of you here today put deodorant on first before you put your clothes on? How many of you that that... Ah, oh, crap, I forgot deodorant, right? And you're rolling up your sleeves, you're going up on the inside. How many of you are that? All right, some strange people. Just saying. Let's continue getting ready. How many of you, when putting on socks and shoes, are you a sock, sock, shoe, shoe person? All right, this, this is really crazy here. How many of you are sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Y'all are strange. I mean, that's, that's ten times worse than the deodorant thing, okay? But what I'm seeing here is a pattern. The same people that put deodorant on last are a sock-shoe, sock-shoe person, right? That's odd to me. That's just to me. It's just me. It's me. All right, we're still getting ready. How many of you piddle around while everybody else is getting ready, and then you wait till the last second? How many of you are just, hey, we're leaving at 1 o'clock, and you're ready by 11? Piece of advice for those that piddle around. When everybody's waiting on you to get ready, don't holler out, Hey, can we go now? 
usually don't go over well. Don't end well for you. All right, last one. A couple more. How many of you are a toothpaste when you're brushing your teeth? Do you water your toothbrush and then put toothpaste? Or do you a toothpaste and then water? Water toothpaste. Both? All right, so are you a hot water? Since, since we're going this toothbrush path, I say that because there's a toothbrush and toothpaste up here. Uh, it wasn't even in my notes, but I saw that when I threw the gum away. So somebody's brushing their teeth in the sanctuary. Are you a hot water, cold water? Who's, who's a hot water toothbrush person? Who's a cold water toothbrush person? I'll give you some scientific proof. Hot water destroys your toothbrush faster than cold water does. You'll wear it out faster. So if you're going through teeth brushes, teeth brushes, it should be teeth brushes, right? Uh, first things first. All right, last one. It's a cold morning. It's been, it was 66 this week, right? And today it was 32. We didn't have any frost, but we might tomorrow. How many of you are a softball window scraper? Gosh, you're going to hit somebody. Right? I mean, I saw a lady the other day. I just gave the safety topic at work for my group, my team. And I said, make sure. I told them an incident. I said, Don't scrape more than a basketball. Right? Scrape your whole windshield off. And I swear to you, the next morning I'm driving in, and there's a lady going down my street with her head out the window. At first, I thought it was a dog, and she was, I'm like, come on, man, first things first. So there is an order of operation in every area of our lives. Some of you are strange when it comes to deodorant and toothbrush and the way you put your shoes and socks on. But all those things happen first before we can leave to go somewhere. Guess what? There's an order of operation, and it's found in the power of one on how we get his attention. When we need his help, we don't just look to the hills, we go find him. We don't just go, we don't just go push buttons because there is no button. But there is an order of operation for this power of one to be evidenced in our lives. So the very first thing I want to talk about this morning is we all need rescue. The very first things first when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to the power of one, is we all need rescue. We all need a savior. The Bible says in John 3 3, you must be born again. <coughs> I have to be honest with you this morning. The number one priority is heaven. It's heaven. Before we discuss any other issues and any other problems that we face in life, we have to face sin. We have to encounter this. Before we can get to healing and power and restoration and hope, we have to encounter this first. Because it's first things first. First moment. <coughs> this is an order of operations moment. We must talk about salvation first. Now with the microphone, we'll figure it out. Jesus came that we could have life. As we've heard this morning, and Pastor Mark said, and I'll repeat it again, he came that we can have that life more abundantly. I needed a Savior. <coughs> Excuse me. And I won't lie to you, I still need a Savior. Me coming to an altar and kneeling and giving Jesus Christ my heart wasn't the end of my salvation experience. The Greek word is sozo, is it not, Pastor Frank? It means to protect, to seal, to deliver, to heal, to save. It's an all-encompassing word. Salvation is not kneeling down and saying, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Salvation is a daily experience. And I need a Savior every day. I need a Savior every day. 
<coughs> a couple of misconceptions. I can't get to heaven on my own. That'd be the first thing I want to tell you. I needed a Savior. I'll admit that. But there are a couple of mis- misconceptions in our world today. Number one, misconception. Religious people go to heaven. This is not true. I'll be the first to tell you that. If you didn't know that, I'll tell you that this morning. Religious people do not go to heaven. Only those who have relationship with Jesus Christ go to heaven. Religion is a bunch of do's and don'ts. We need relationship, and Jesus is the relationship that we need. Christianity is all about relationship. Pastor Mark tells us all the time, all the other religions of the world says you can save you. Christianity is the only religion that says you can't save you. You can't do enough, you can't say enough, and I've shared all this with you when we were in China, since we're talking a little bit about China. We adopted Claire, and I'll never forget when we got Claire that first day. And the next day we got on a bus, and our, our tour guide, or our guide uh, for the adoption agency, his name's James, um, he looked at us and said, all of you have received seven credits from Buddha. Because we did a good deed. We, have, we, have, we had enough credits to get to the next life, because <laughs> we've done something. I was going to put mine on eBay and get it notarized. Still might. Still got them. I still have those credits, right, according to them. So I had, I had to do something to get a reward. I had to do something to get access. Jesus says, I'm the only access. Jesus says, you can't do enough to get the access. So first things first. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father unless they come through me. Misconception number two, good people go to heaven. If I'm good and do my best and be an honest person, then God will let me into heaven. This is far from the truth. My goodness is never good enough. Your goodness is never good enough. But God sent one, the power of one, whose goodness is good enough. He sent one on my behalf that if I would accept and believe and allow him in my life, he makes me good enough. Christianity begins with one. I'm now in right standing because of the power of one. Not because of something I have done, but the power of one. It's now his goodness, not mine, that brings me back to God. A woman who was very busy at church worker waited for D.L. Moody one day. After he told a group of church workers some very plain truths from God's word. Mr. Moody said to the angry woman, Do you mean to tell me that I am educated, taught from childhood in good ways, and all my life interested in church and doing good must enter into heaven the same way as the worst criminals of the day? No, madam, Mr. Moody said. I don't tell you that at all. God does. He says everyone who would enter into heaven, no matter how good they think they are, or how well educated, or how zealous and good works, must be born again. I don't set the requirements. God did. And I want you to know that this morning. Don Kinder, Pastor Mark Thomas, Pastor Frank Thomas, Living Faith Church, we don't set the requirements. God set the requirements. It's his order of operation. It's first things first, and it starts with salvation. Salvation. Christianity says we can't do anything about our sin, but it also says God already has. Jesus is the ladder or the stairway, however you prefer, but no matter what it is, he is the only way. And he not only saves us, he leads us, he guides us. The Bible actually tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that he has put eternity in our hearts. You want to live forever because God, when you were created, put eternity in your heart. It's there. 
Tasha's got it in his heart. Eternity is in his heart. Leah has it in her heart. Eternity is in her heart. Because God put it there. We all want to live forever. Why? Because God put it there. The one who put it there is the only one that can solve it. The one who put it there is the only one that can get you there. The power of want. We yearn for heaven because God put it in our hearts. And the only way to feel that yearning is to accept Jesus Christ. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, what the Bible says in Luke 19.10. For God so loved the world in John 3.16. I will tell you today that Jesus Christ changed my life. He changed my life. Not my resume, not my career, not my relationships. He changed my life. The power of one. power of one. You need a Savior, not an updated resume, not a new relationship. A Savior is what is needed. You must be born again. I used to be a huge Walking Dead fan. Anybody watch the zombie show? Y'all, y'all don't put deodorant on until first. That's right. And I've, I've kind of, after about six seasons, I kind of got, yeah, okay, I'm tired of watching zombies walk around. But, but I'll never forget, I actually did a preaching series in youth when I was leading youth a few years ago. And it was literally called The Walking Dead. And every week I would watch The Walking Dead, and God would give me a sermon out of that episode, and I would preach a sermon on. And the very first sermon uh, we learned early in The Walking Dead, Rick found out that everybody's infected. And that was the title of that sermon. We're all infected with sin. There's nothing we can do about it. But Jesus Christ said, I come to rescue you from that moment in time. I can rescue you. The power of one can take you out of that sin. The Bible says in Titus 3, verses 3 through 8, in the Message Bible, it wasn't long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. Some of y'all need to highlight that. Easy march for sin. Ordered every which way by our glands, going around with the chip on our shoulder. Some of y'all need to highlight that. Hated and hating back. Some of y'all need to highlight that. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, He saved us from all of that. It was all His doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out new people. Washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus... Has poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with Him, given us back our lives. Man, I love that statement. He's given us back our lives. And there's so much more to life to come, an eternity of life you can count on. That's what Titus chapter 3 says in the Message Bible. And it's all found in the power of one. And His name is Jesus Christ. First things first. You can't get to Jesus if you can't answer prayers for you. He can't move mountains for you if you don't have the relationship. I'm not saying he won't, but the relationship is what gives you the access to the miracle of Jesus Christ, the miracle-working God, the one that moves mountains, the one that calms storms. It starts with the power of one. Think about this. Our greatest need becomes our greatest resource, Jesus. Mankind's greatest need is Jesus Christ, and when he comes into our lives, he then becomes our greatest resource. He is the one that changes everything. Number two, when we have the power of one, after first things first, he then brings into us and he reveals hope and he restores our lives. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus was teaching uh, on the lake. 
and the crowd got so big that they were pressing up against him, he actually got on the boat to teach. The fishermen were actually washing the nets. They weren't even on the boat at the time. They were over off washing their nets. Jesus finishes teaching. The fishermen show back up. And they fished all night, the Bible tells us. They caught nothing, right? And after Jesus was teaching, Jesus said, all right, let's go fishing. And they looked at him and said, Master, we've toiled all night and haven't caught anything. He said, let's go fishing. And the Bible says they go out, and that's when Jesus told them to cast their net. And they caught all these fish. All these boats had to show up. Amazing story. But here in Luke, we find Jesus, and the crowd was so big, he had to get on a boat. So Jesus gets in one of the boats to finish teaching. And what I find amazing is he sat down in the middle of something that the fishermen had given up on. They'd given up on fishing that day. They'd given up on the boat because it was fruitless that night. And there we find Jesus right in the middle of what they gave up on. And maybe you have given up on something today. I want you to tell you, God is on the boat. Right in the middle of what you've given up on. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. It's powerful stuff. So many of you have given up on what God has done for your life. And there Jesus is sitting in the middle waiting for you to get back on the boat. He wants to reveal hope for you today. He wants to restore you today. He wants to restore the joy of your salvation today. God did not just love the world. He came into the world as a person of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know he wants to restore. He can restore. First things first. You've got to get back on the boat. You've got to obey what he's saying to do. The power of one. Number three, the power of the one who brings healing. Physically and emotionally. We talk so much about physical healing that we forget about emotional healing in our lives. God wants to do a miracle in your life today. I will tell you that right now. God is going to do a miracle in your life today. Jehovah Rapha means the Lord who heals. The Lord who heals. God's very nature is healing. And God wants to provide healing and wholeness for all his people. We live in a world which is broken, which is hurting. They're in pain. They're suffering, whether it's physical pain like cancer or arthritis or emotional pain like the loss of a loved one, a divorce, a job loss, or whether it's the greatest of all brokenness, the spiritual pain of being separated from God because of our sin. Many times this hurt and pain is intermixed. Whatever the pain and suffering, out of love for us, the Lord wants us to be whole people. He wants to complete us. He desires to mend our broken bodies to fix our wounded hearts, to restore our relationships, and to forgive our sins. The Bible says in Colossians 2.10 that ye are complete in Him. He completes us. He wants to complete you today. And if you're lacking in any area of your life, there is power in one that can change that. There is power in one that can change your situation. He can take what is hopeless and He can bring hope. He could take what is broken, and he can restore it. But it's all found in one, and his name is Jesus Christ. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus talking. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set a liberty of those who are oppressed. That's Jesus coming back from the temptation 40 days in the wilderness. He goes right into the temple 
and he reads from the book of Isaiah chapter 61. And the place went nuts for all the wrong reasons when he read it. Because he was basically saying, I'm that guy. I am the one. I'm going to fulfill this. I'm the power of the one. I'm the one that's going to fill the brokenhearted. I'm the one that's going to restore. I'm the one that's going to bring peace. I'm the one that's going to bring hope. The power of one found in Jesus Christ. He has come not only to heal us physically, but emotionally. You know, the, the exercise class, I love it. It hurts, it stinks, I moan, I groan. But it's helping my physical body. But my physical is temporary. My soul is eternal. And I'm not saying you shouldn't come and run with us and do some kind of crazy sumo squats or whatever they're called. I'll tell you what sumo squat is. Oh, sorry, just kidding. Right? Sumo squat. You'll get all the way down. Kelly told me yesterday, you ain't doing it right. She said, you're getting your back. And you got a sumo squat, right? That's what we're doing. And we're doing that kind of stuff. And it's a bunch of goofy people looking goofy. And that's okay. Uh, but my physical well-being will only get me so far. But my spiritual well-being will carry me through eternity. I'll be honest with you. In light of eternity, we're all teenagers. We're all just getting started when it comes to eternity. But God wants to heal us. God is here to heal that brokenness. And he announces to us, grace is here. Mercy is here. Hope is here. So I ask you to come to the healer today. Allow him to heal, to deliver, and to mend your broken heart. And he is the only one that can do that. I can't. God is concerned about your entire being. We so many times only think he's concerned about our spiritual or physical side. But I'm here to tell you he wants all of you to be whole. All of you. Our spiritual condition, our health, our relationships, our careers, our emotions, every part of your life, he wants you to be whole. He wants you to prosper and be in health. You can be in tip-top physical shape, but not be tip-top emotionally. I could take you to any gym in the valley today, and you'd see some physical specimens, right, that are cut and chiseled. But in the inside, there's a war raging, and they're not healthy. They need a healing on the inside. And that's no shame to either side. I'm not saying you can't be in tip-top shape. I'm not here to diminish exercise. I'm here to tell you, God wants to worry about your emotions too. The Bible says our hearts fail us with fear. That's emotional. God wants to heal us today. I'm not sure what you need today. It could be salvation. It could be a physical miracle. It could be an emotional healing. Regardless, there is one who has the power to do it. And he's present today. Maybe you're carrying too much, and Jesus says today to you, I am the one. I got this. You must allow him to help. I'm here in the middle of a mess, Jesus says. I'm here in the middle of your mess, and I'm ready to bless your life. But I'm the one that leads you to victory. Um, so I ask Greg come. We're going to sing a song. Um, Lord laid this heart on my the song of my heart yesterday to be sung during this time of worship. First things first, there is an order to this power of one. And the very first step is realizing you need a Savior.
Realizing you can't get there by yourself. Realizing you can't fix what's really broken in your life. Because there's not enough you can do. There's not enough you can say. There's not enough actions you can take take into account. You can't volunteer enough hours to soothe your sin. Only one can. His name is Jesus Christ. There's only one who brings hope and who restores. And he's here today. There's only one who can heal you physically and emotionally and spiritually. And he's here today. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Um, This altar is open. I would love to pray with you. If you're in this place, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I ask you the question, what will you do with Jesus? He demands a response. Sometimes we think if we don't say yes, or we don't say no, that we're, we're not responding. But by not responding, you have responded. If you need a healing, whether it's emotionally or physically or financially, the healer is in this place to heal you. So as this song is sung, we would love to pray with you. Would you come in Jesus' name?